0: And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO, and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley.
1: Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today is Tell Del Tuesday, and we have a wonderful guest, Jack Hildinger, out of uh, Denton, Texas, who is currently in his uh, waterfront property on the San Luis. Uh, Jack, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Dale. It's great to be here.
1: So, um, you're living more than half the year at the at the the waterfront property now, huh?
2: Well, we're just just under half a year. We had 154 days this past year.
1: What does that feel like to to have that opportunity to live that life?
2: It's amazing. It's it's like waking up and I'm not who I used to be. It's a Complete transformation. I'm a butterfly instead of a caterpillar. (laughs) (laughs) I used to have to get up and munch every day and and trot and trot and work, and and now I get up and I just uh, decide what I'm going to do.
1: Wow. That's amazing. Well, let's take everybody back that's listening because they don't know who you are. Um, Let's take them back to the beginning. Where were you when you first decided to look into real estate investing? Because I think you did some before you came to Lifestyles even, didn't you?
2: we did most of our uh, much of our single family started before before lifestyles and then about 2016 we joined lifestyles and learned better best practices and it took our invested returns to a new level
1: All right, well, we appreciate that. Let's go back, though, and let's just talk about why you decided to get into real estate even before you found Lifestyles and got the better practices. What was it that drew you to this as a solution?
2: Well, Dale, I was a commissioned salesman for 34 years, and I was successful. I was good at it. But what I realized is that if you don't hunt – you don't eat if you're not out working it just all goes away and and i liked the work i liked the hunt but i realized i can't do this forever and i saw old guys not that i was an old guy i was in my 50s i saw old guys that just got kind of uh put on the shelf by the companies and and all of a sudden everything they had built just kind of withered including their reputation and their you know, they got old and they died. I saw this over and over. I just decided I had to have some way that I could grow past that. I didn't see that as terrible. It's inevitable. We, we, we change. But uh, I, I wanted to be in control of that, of the rest of my life. And so we began investing in real estate.
1: What was your first approach to
2: it? Well, I had an unsuccessful swing at it back in nineteen ninety and that involved pit bulls, non paying tenants, police reports. It was a it was a bad idea. So we, we got away and, and, and we didn't look at it for another thirty years. But when we came back, we came back with a a mentor, he's not a lifestyles guy, so I, I kinda hesitate to use that word, but He was a successful real estate investor and a realtor, and he says, you guys are smart. You guys, uh, you deal with people well. You guys understand business and numbers and finance. Why aren't you doing real estate (laughs) pit bulls? I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with police reports and and tenants, toilets, right? So, So he says, no, no, no. Let me show you a different way. And so he kind of coached us through it. And I said, no, nah, you're a salesman. You just want to sell me a house. You want a you want a commission. <laughs> I am you. And he's like, no, 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 trust me. And so, uh, he, he was a, he was a friend and he was a city council member in my little town. And he was a, he was a up, trustworthy guy. So we bought our first property and then we bought our second property within a couple months of each other. And by golly, we were, we were in it. And, uh, we realized soon that we needed more tools, so I I did internet education, and I began uh, conversing with the lifestyles radio host, both email and occasionally. I think in those days it was a call-in show, and I would call in occasionally and ask a question, and and the and the host was helpful and and encouraging, and I said these are good people. About 2016, we had grown to the point where we needed to we we needed some help that my friend didn't have realized he taught me everything that I know, but he didn't tell me everything. I teach me everything I need to know because he didn't know it. So we joined lifestyles and, uh, we, we, it took our business to another level. It gave us greater control over our quality of tenant. It introduced the concept of the purple Martian and why we didn't want purple Martians in. And, uh, we just, yeah, you know, we, we came to the next level. And that's that's where we were about twenty nineteen when we joined well, the let's, preferred group.
1: Let's cover that area a little bit more because I think that's a very yes. important factor that we don't want to go right over it that quickly. Um when you came in and I'm talking right now, I'm speaking to all of you people out there right now that already have your foot in the pond, you already got your toe in the water, you've already got one rent house or two rent houses, and you know that maybe you, you realize you don't know it all yet, or maybe you think you know it all. Whatever it is, you know, it's always one way or the other. But when you finally find something like lifestyles and you come in here and you see the experience and everything, I wanted to share if you could, Jack, the first two day you went to, if you can. There's got to be an aha moment or two that goes like, man, you're talking to me. That's exactly what we're doing wrong. Do you remember any of those moments by chance?
2: Oh, I do. I do. They're, they're kind of burned into my memory. One, my first two-day was in 2016, and we met David Fisher. And David is, for those that don't know, David is a uh, really smart guy, but he has a way of bringing it to the level – where it hits you personally, and he's uh, a very successful investor, so I immediately recognized that this is not some dude that's just trying to uh, follow a script, this is a guy that knows what he 's talking about, and so all my barriers came down and i'm I'm kind of a spreadsheet guy, so i like to I like to measure what we do and I like to measure the results of changes or improvements and, and see how that goes. So I, I have a bunch of metrics on my, uh, I call it my spreadsheet to end all spreadsheets. It's got all my property metrics on one page. And the new metric that I learned that first day of the two day was return on net worth. And, and that kind of stripped my gears. I said, whoa, mm-hmm. this is what I've been looking for. If I want to learn how to get a return on my money, I have to identify all of my money, which essentially was my net worth.
1: Let's talk about your um, portfolio. Um, Okay. Let's talk about how you decided to work your portfolio. I see you've got some, some stuff coming in, some stuff coming out, some big capital gains on some of these deals, some of these houses. How did you manage to get yourself retired in that short period of time, really, doing what looks like eleven to thirteen single-family houses, and then some passive later on. How did you work that?
2: Well, the ADU for me was the cash flow um, goal, you know, pot of gold. When you buy a house and you you run the numbers and you see that you can do an ADU on that property, if the numbers for the basic property work i.e. you're going to get four to five hundred dollars of cash flow per month then when you do the adu you can add another thousand dollars of cash flow per month
1: all right jack you you are now guilty of assuming that everybody understands what an acronym means <laughs> yes you, so why don't you go ahead and explain what an adu is for them?
2: okay sorry for the jargon but uh ADU is called an auxiliary dwelling unit, and it is a code-compliant method that cities allow for the creation of affordable housing. So I will give you an example. We purchased a 4-2 home in 2013 that was going to cash flow about $500 a month. Nice property. No, it wasn't. It was a property that needed some work. But we, we did the work, and it became a nice property. But it had a two-and-a-half-car garage. And in my experience, residents, you, they don't park their cars in garage. They, they, they park their junk in garages. And then they leave it, and I have to throw it away when they're gone. So we took this garage, two-and-a-half-car garage, and we, using a code compliant, pulled a permit. We built a two-bedroom apartment. This is a corner lot, so they had parking in front of the garage. They had parking in front of the house. We built a two-bedroom apartment. We spent about $30,000 building it, and we rented it for $1,100 a month, which created another cash flow of about $900 to add to the 500 of the first house. So that property, today, I still own that property. That property cash flows me, based on my current costs, my new insurance rates, my new property tax rates, and the, new, the current lease rates. That property cash flows me twenty five thousand six hundred and thirty two dollars a year.
1: Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um,
2: I have. Let, I have let me ask those. you this:
1: when you built the when when you built the back. The, the garage apartment. Oh, we got to go to break. Take a break. We'll be right back with Jack Hildier and the Del Wamsley Radio Show.
0: to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Del Wamsley Radio Show returns in moments.
2: We sold one of my wife's properties and actually did a 1031 exchange and we bought three brand new builds in Fort Worth. Um, So right now, collectively, we have three of her inherited properties and then three properties in Fort Worth that we've done through Lifestyles. And you turn one property into three, tripling your cash flow. Exactly. Yep. Well done.
0: Learn to increase your cash flow. Register for the workshop at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. You're hearing the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life-changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at LifestylesUnlimited.com under the radio tab. Now your host, Dell Wamsley.
1: Welcome back to Dell Wamsley Radio Show. With me here today on Tell Dell Tuesday is Jack Hillinger, out of, uh, well, actually, he's his personal residence in Denton, Texas, but he spends half of his time down on the San Luis Let's talk about this um, this rebuild. Um, Are you financing that construction?
2: Initially, no. Initially, I'm paying that out of my pocket, but then we do a refinance later. In, In essence, I'm my own hard money lender on these things.
1: I assume that the appraisal then is bringing both the house and the garage apartment together as to one value. Am I right on that or not?
2: It is. It is. That is the case. There has been an evolution. A re- when we first did this, the uh, I tell you, so I refinanced that that product that pro- property that I mentioned. We refinanced that twice, cash out twice on that property. I don't, it, I don't have any money in that property. It it owes me money, or I owe it money. So, <laughs> the first time we cashed out, the uh, the appraiser says, "Well, you've got um, eight hundred and sixty-five square feet." of space out here, but you don't have a garage. So I'm going to take away because this property doesn't have a garage and I'm only going to add 20% of the value of this. I'm like, dude, it's got tile and granite and stainless steel. It's beautiful. Yeah, but we just, I just don't know how to deal with this in my head. I was like, it's square footage. Anyway, so he fought us and we got, we, we got, I felt like we got treated poorly, but that was the state of that industry. That first refi, look at my spreadsheet in all spreadsheets, that first refi happened in 2018, and the second refi, we were able to push back, and and it's become an accepted practice now, and we got much better value, so we were we were much happier with that.
1: So let's dig into this for a second, Jack, because the, the point you're bringing up is, is valid to some extent, but it's also invalid yeah. on another extent. Let me explain to you what I mean. Single family housing is appraised by comparative market analysis. You have to be able to find comps to be able to give it yeah. value, right? Yeah. What you're, what you're looking at it as, as an investor, when you add this additional income as an income producing property, it should be worth more. Unfortunately, single-family properties are comparative market and analysis appraised. so you're running that's what you're bumping up against. Are there anything else out yeah. there that can that prove out that your value is is that high? So I understand yeah. the problem but you say they're starting to give it more credence for the for the uh, the yes. upgrade.
2: We actually did um, on the second refi, we actually did say we reject that and we're we're going to go to some sort of arbitration or and they they refunded our money <laughs> the appraiser said i want to deal with this here's your money back and they put us in the next um, you know we don't get to pick our appraiser but we can reject one we found so we basically said that's not going to work we're in charge here and we got a different appraiser and that appraiser was very favorable and um, it is it is a it is a comp system, but there is a, a little known and little used process where you can pay an extra fee for an income based appraisal. It's possible, but appraisers are very squeamish. They're very squeamish. We've only pulled that off once. Um, they just look at it and they, in, in this process you have to give, you, you know, document taxes, insurance, um, leases, verified with bank deposits and and i mean it's a it's a big deal and they just they just really are afraid they're going to get defrauded and that they'll be on the hook for for a a problem with a loan so that is out there and i suspect in the future that that will become more tenable for them but right now we're we're primarily just using the the standard cop system and then they have to make adjustments they get their comps, they have to make their adjustments. For example, the guy said, well, you have no garage, so I have to take off the value for the garage, but you have this extra living space. If he had just given us full value for the living space, then we would have been fine.
1: And Well, the, the we simple out- math is to say, I'm adding 1,000 square foot at $200 a square foot, right? So there's you know that exactly. value. But I lost 1,000 square foot at $50 a square foot because there's nothing in it, it's a shell. So that should be simple enough to do, but I assume I understand what you're saying. Appraisers are always afraid of getting sued, so our mortgage companies and all white-collar crime is yeah. rampant out there. Uh, let's talk about how many of these things you've done. You like these. They seem to have bolstered your income. How many of these have you actually done?
2: I've done five of them. We currently have three. We've sold off a couple, and, and those were sold to other investors. They weren't sold to um, you know, a, a young couple that want to pay their mortgage by renting the house in the back—that that that has not been the market. The market has been other investors that they run the numbers and they say, "Wow, we can make a lot of cash flow on this." And so, you we, know, it's interesting, got- Jack. That actually
1: would be an incredible thing for a young couple to buy, wouldn't it?
2: Oh yeah, I mean, you know, the this concept of that people have—they're going to rent a room in their house. Oh my God, I'd never consider that. you don't know if you got an i mean even if you run a background check you don't know if you've got a future axe murderer right yeah. or or rapist or someone that'll just eat all your pudding <laughs> all of those all of those things would be awful so uh this this is much better than having a roommate situation they have separate heating they have separate uh billing for the utilities they have separate um control over the temperature, they have their own appliances and and so it's a it's literally the, the you don't ever have to really cross paths with people.
1: What else have you done? What what were your other as we're talking about your portfolio, what other things have you specialized in uh, to build your portfolio to where you can retire and the wife retire. That's you know, getting both people retired is the real creme de la creme.
2: Well I was I was still in my job and I had two properties, one of which I had created the ADU, the auxiliary auxiliary dwelling unit. And I was pretty proud of my cash flow on those two properties. And I had a I had a terrible boss. The guy was the guy was um you know, what other kind of boss is there? If you don't want to have a boss, every boss is a terrible boss. And anyway, this guy uh he said, Oh, you know, I've had to approve a couple of inquiries on your income. I know you're buying rental property. Hey, I've I've got rental property. I could could coach you on that rental property. I said, okay, that doesn't sound good. (laughs) That really didn't sound like a good idea. He said, I've got a bunch of rental property. And he said, I'll tell you what, I don't make any money on it, but I haven't paid taxes in several years. And I said, you don't make any money? No. You don't have any cash flow? No. Well, maybe i should mentor you <laughs> he, he really didn't like that but i i was on these two properties i had about 25 grand of cash flow at in those days and i said if i repeat this four or five six times i'll have all the money i need
1: three rules of real estate Number one, stop losing money, get out of the stock market. Number two, there's got to be cash flow, which you've already brought up. And number three, you can't get rich slow, which means, wow, what happens when those capital gains start coming around? And explain to people how those big capital gains changed your approach to what you were doing.
2: Well, we made the decision in 2019 to begin investing in multifamily, and we began selling some single-family properties. And we kind of took the approach – let's sell the property that has the best equity to cash flow ratio in other words let's trim our cash flow as little as possible while also increasing our our yield from the sale as much as we can so we began selling off properties we sold first property we sold for this was the original my second residence i sold my original home bought a residence that we lived in that was a downsize. And then when we bought a new home, we we made that a rental. So we sold that property and we cashed in some money. And that was our initial investment into multifamily. And because we had lived in it three of the last five years, we owed zero um, capital gains on it. It was treated as a primary residence. But now we've been selling some single family homes and we've ended up Owing a little bit of capital gains, very low numbers. Now, let me regress. I haven't paid or owed income taxes for the year 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020. So I had a nice lifestyle, and I owed the government nothing under their rules. So that was that was awesome. And we as we began selling additional properties and moving into multifamily, we had the accelerated depreciation from the multifamilies we had purchased so that we could offset some of those capital gains. It's very effective. Last year, and I'm sorry, the tax year before last, I would have owed $27,000 on capital gains had I not had the offsets from our multifamily purchases, instead I had paid about six. So I made twenty thousand, twenty-one thousand dollars on on uh, multifamily, just by not having to owe it to the IRS. And that has been the case as we sold each property. the The multifamily depreciation has grown, and that has limited the amount of taxes that we have owed for selling these properties. So these properties, we're, we're having a couple hundred thousand dollar capital gain on the property, and you know you could owe up to twenty percent of a portion of that under the current tax laws. But we haven't had that situation. We've we've paid very little taxes still selling our single families.
1: I'm looking at your notes here and I'm seeing three quarters of a million dollars worth of capital gains coming out of these single family houses you're selling. So that is quite a bit of gain. Uh, Like you said, though, when you first started buying these, you never even thought about that, did you?
2: No, no. In fact, you know, we we just kind of assumed there would be some growth in in the uh, value, you know, real estate appreciates over time. And we knew that we would pay down our our loan proceeds. Of course, we've, we've, we've been in the refi business as well. So we still, we we still owe money on the houses. We, we intend to owe money on the houses. That's how we leverage our, our gains by limiting how much we have cash invested in these. So we've done, we've done very well with this. The, um, the first year I invested in multifamily, I was going to invest in five properties. But one of, after the heart attack, one of those properties became my beach house. And by the way, there are, there's a pod of dolphins, about six dolphins out in front of me right now, 200 yards away. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at it on Facebook right now, man. It's beautiful.
2: Yeah, there you go. It's a great place. And you told me, we talked before about this, and you told me one of the most important things in life is where you wake up every morning. Where you lay your head where you wake up the next day and you're right
1: it's amazing difference isn't it you know it's you can have a lot of toys and a lot of stuff and a lot of you know bling bling and whatever but when you wake up every day and you start your life looking out in the world and go man my life is blessed it really gives you a different point of view we only got two minutes left tell us where you're going from here jack what's the future now now that you've got it all figured out and it's working what do you do with the rest of your life
2: well, what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to sit pat for a couple of years on our single family. We're not planning to make any changes. We're going to let our multifamily investments grow themselves. The uh, John Pry never eat your seed corn. That's what's going on in the multifamily. We're just going to let that grow and compound, and when that grows to a point that we're more comfortable. We'll continue the process. What I don't want—I'm I'm 64 now. What I don't want is to to uh, say, well, if I suffer a few years now, I can make big gains in the future. Well, I think I'm past that. I need to steer a steady course so that my gains are effective, and my gains are massive, and then I can just—I uh, can take these two arms of income and, and do what I need to do. It also keeps the bride
1: comfortable. Well, you know, there's, there's different points in your life, and there's accumulation uh, mode where you you're trying to get ahead, and then there's being successful, and that's where you're at. So, congratulations! Thanks for coming on, sharing your story, and the rest of you out there. Remember this: it's not just money; it's a lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow.